This is day 141 on the Bible Rundown. It's 1 Chronicles 13, 14, 15, and John chapter 7. It's a long day. That's a lot. We got a lot to cover today on the Bible Rundown. Your Pastor Rob, Pastor David, we're rolling into the day 141 like it's hot. And it is hot here in 1 Chronicles. There's a lot going on in the text of Scripture. I'm, I'm getting getting there because I was in John earlier. But David, what, what do you see in First Chronicles 13, 14, and 15 with the Ark of the Covenant, David, and being brought into Jerusalem? Remember, we just, yeah, we just yeah. saw David come into, take over Jerusalem a couple chapters yeah. before the Jebusite area. God has put his name there. This is the place where the Ark, the... Um, the tabernacle will come, the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, all the things associated with God's presence among his people come to rest. Solomon will build the temple here in Jerusalem. This is a big day. Yeah. So I go back to what is the purpose of the chronicler? It's written as they're coming out of exile. We're going to call you the chronicler. The chronicler. Call him the chronicler. But it's good. I mean, but we go back to chapter 9. So if this is written to returned exiles, we talked about he's not going to, or whoever the author was, is not going to recount every single bit of history. But it's interesting the tidbits he does pull forward. So if he focuses on the ark being returned and the rightful worship that's to take place in Jerusalem, I think the emphasis is upon if they've been restored to the land after exile, Mm -hmm. the way that they don't mess this deal up is by living within the view, proper view, of God's holiness. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's, that's I think that's really what this is trying to get our attention. That's good. The chronicler wants us to see that when we disregard the holiness of God, he allows things to come in and discipline us to remind us that we are to be set apart because he is set apart. And then when those things come into concert with his will, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, there's unity in the land, right? Mm-hmm. The people rejoice as they see the joy of the Lord becoming fulfilled in their midst. So I think that that's how I'd summarize these couple of chapters. That's good. I uh, I think Ezra or Nehemiah or a combination of the two is actually the chronicler. That's good. Uh, based upon, this is after exile, this is someone who has understanding of the word of God and is giving hope for Israel. Ezra and Nehemiah would be those characters in that at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, here is here is a really tough passage for many who are maybe haven't been listening to the Bible rundown. Oh yeah, uh, maybe maybe this is the first time they're checking in because Uzza. They, they, they haven't been listening to everything that God has been doing through the Old Testament. It should make complete sense to us of why this happens. Because Uzzah puts out his hand to take hold of the ark. So he's, he's trying to do what some might say, a good thing. David, he doesn't want the ark of God to hit the ground and break yeah. Now remember, the Ark of God was was created for, in the tabernacle uh, during the time of Moses. God gave specific instructions on how it's supposed to be made, and the, and He also 
placed his presence there upon the mercy seat in between the two cherubims. So this is a, a big deal. And inside the Ark of the Covenant is the, is the ten, ten Commandments. So this is a big deal for Israel. They go around in the tabernacle. God's presence goes with them. But now, Uzzah dies. He hits, he, hits the, he hits the ark and he tries to save it. He's dead. Mm. And Dave, I think David's a little scared here because he just saw one of his guys who's trying to do a good thing die in God's presence. He's like, I, I, we, can't take the, we can't take the ark. Uh, we can't take the ark into Jerusalem because it, it's too much. So here, here's, here's a couple things. Number one, do you remember how they were supposed to carry the ark? Yes, on poles. They were supposed to carry it on poles. Who was supposed to, who was supposed to carry that? The priests, the right? The priests, Levites. They are supposed to carry it on poles. And who carried it on an ark or on a cart? The Philistines. The Philistines who stole the ark. Remember Dagon yep, and the yep. god oh, who yeah. fell over? Remember yep. all that? Yep. They carried it on a cart. They pushed the cart with oxen back into Kerith-Jerim. That's what the last stories have told us. And so now it's on a cart instead of being carried on poles. They're not obeying the word of the Lord. Again. So the chronicler, Ezra and Nehemiah, is saying, look what happens when you don't obey the word of the Lord. And guess what? The presence of God is too great for mankind to enter in. You know, cannot touch the presence of God. And we get that in verse 13 of chapter 15, right? So they're told it's because you did not carry it the first time the Lord broke out, right? Killed us because we did not seek him according to the rule. So (laughs) does God take his word seriously, right? Yes, he does. And so if we... We rest in the grace of God, David. We rest in the grace of God, but we are to know We better his look word. up at that serpent and say, that's the only thing that's going to save us right now, because we cannot do right. it. Right. But at the end of it, we have the word of God yeah. to guide us. We do. So is Uzzah without excuse? No, is God don't. justified yes, to do God what he did? Yes, God is just in doing this. And so is God just to punish us when we sin, because he's told us... What is sin and where to find grace? Yes, yes, he does. And that that makes the cross of Christ even greater. It makes it even larger in our life. And we should be grateful and thankful for every single day that we have that he doesn't destroy us. Amen. And we also should be people, like we're seeing in these couple of chapters today, that that obey the word word in response to his grace. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we go to, to John? Uh, Michael, the widow, doesn't like what she sees in David dancing and rejoicing. She doesn't end up having kids. This, it's a problem here. There's a yeah. lot going on here. Yeah, and we, we again, you can We've go back and this. listen to that when we were working through Samuel, but um, bitter jealousy, despising the Lord's anointed in her heart, not, not a good place you want to be. Not a good place you want to be. And, and you know what? We, as the people of God, should rejoice in other people's joy. Absolutely. And blessing. Yeah. So I think one, one of the interesting things is that it goes to this guy's house uh, for three months and 
David sees that he's blessed, he's like, okay, bring it in. Now, I think God's not going to kill me, you know? <laughs> it's hilarious. No, that's a good point. All right. Point. All right, so this is maybe a, this is the Bible rundown with a recap. So it could also be the Bible rundown recap. Because in John 7, we have, we talked about the Gospel of John focuses on I am statements of Jesus. Yeah, talked yeah. about that yesterday. Yeah. It also, though, focuses on these festivals the feast, or yeah. feasts. And here we have the Feast of Booths. What on earth does that mean? Is that like they set up a state fair and they're hanging out? I can help you if you need a yeah, lifeline. I need a lifeline on this. Okay. Feast of Booths, I know it has to do with Moses and... Yeah, that's not carnival booths that you're probably thinking like where you get They built the booths after they left Egypt, but tell us exactly what... So as they... Yeah, so booths is another word for tents, right? So it's a feast remembering their time in the wilderness after Mm -hmm. they had come out of Egypt and the Lord provided for them while they were dwelling in tents. They had no cities. Right. They had no land. They got manna from heaven. They were sojourners. Right? Yeah. And for a period of time, they were exiles. Right. So Israel's history is one of being a displaced people. And so here at the Feast of Booths, his brothers, right, his own family says, hey, you need to go up and quit doing all this stuff in secret in these countryside villages. Go into the city, Jesus, and make a name for yourself. That's right. Jesus says no. But then he goes. Did he lie to him? No, he did not lie to his brothers. But it's clear that, that Jesus is going to control his time frame. So then uh, he does a work on the Sabbath. And again, the question is, can this really be the Christ? Mm-hmm. Officers are sent to arrest him. Um, and then he makes the statement that whoever believes in him, verse 38, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He's saying this about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive because the Spirit had not yet been given. Mm. There's a lot in this chapter. What stands out to you? Um, I think that this is really the struggle, right? This is the struggle with many people in today's world is... Is Jesus really the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one? And the division among the people is clear here. But Jesus says, you know, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The real question is, do you believe in the word of God? Well, and you and I have both been in different world religion contexts around this world where there are many who believe in Jesus, but do not believe he's the son of God, mm-hmm. right? And they have a very difficult... We, we that maybe are listening to this podcast and we've put our faith in Christ and we've received the Holy Spirit, we have no problem reading these stories and saying, how could you not see that this is the son of God? There are many people in the world, though, who are convinced that God... Jesus was not God's son. He was not God in the flesh. And so these statements of Jesus are absolute, right? You cannot come to the Father unless you come to him. There's no middle ground. Either you're you're for me or you're against me. There's no middle of you are either 
submitted to Christ as Lord or you are not. It, there's no middle. No. There's no yeah, there's no uh ambiguity with it. There's no like there's no lukewarm feeling that Jesus you're... and Buddha or Jesus and materialism. There's no Jesus and this. It's it's Jesus alone or no Jesus. And one of the things we're gonna we're kind of going on a tangent, but for this fall, if you're listening to this and you're a member of Northwest, we're we're thinking through our midweek series for the fall. Maybe a focus on world religions and philosophies and how to witness to them. Yeah, not as an apologetics defense but as one of promoting the gospel how can you really bring the gospel to light how does the gospel speak into islam buddhism buddhism islam yeah yeah and i think it'll be a good study for us absolutely but these kind of statements here that jesus is getting at these are his own people we're not even talking about people that ascribe to a different god no they they know the torah they know the history Right. Yeah. So the the context for us of this passage, John really wants us to understand that uh, the knowledge of Jesus as the Son of God is not through just knowledge of the Word that doesn't save. Right. It's a good Bible rundown, man. It's great. A lot of a lot of depth in John seven. Hey, the the chapter eight will be an interesting discussion uh, in a couple of days whether or not this is actually. Are you going to make a real event? I may go out. I've got a tent. I can go yeah, pitch it. You can go t- pitch a tent and do the Feast of Booths and remember Israel's history in the wilderness. I think it'd be fun. Let's do it. Bible Rundown. See you later. Bye.